Hello, welcome to How To Law Podcast. Today we will be discussing the very important impact that COVID is having on those that are foreign, trying to stay in the country or coming from outside America, coming into the country eventually, and looking at ways through extraordinary ability. Something about that in terms of their distinction, their level of achievement, the work that they do that has held them out in their field, made them more competitive than others. And because of this, they get sort of the golden road into the US. I am Lorraine D'Alessio. I'm the managing attorney of D'Alessio Law Group. We are an award-winning immigration law firm. We also do corporate work as well. And I am here with my amazing, and very, very uh, reputable co-host, a professor of immigration, attorney Robert Perkins. Well, if, if you want to talk a little bit about me, I won't stop you from doing that. I don't think I can stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> Very politically correct, Lauren. <laughs> Robert practices in all areas of immigration, um, but a particular specialty when it comes to adjustments, naturalizations, marriage cases, business cases as well, um, and uh, has transitioned from... Um, uh, have, he has his own practice and has worked in some of the largest practices in the in the country. Um, his immigration expertise. Okay, so we begin. We are going to define for everyone first what this visa category is all about. Um, I encourage people not to sit back and self-diagnose, though. Please take in the information, and we are available to ask more case-specific questions, of course, on a consultation basis. Please, Robert, go ahead. Okay, well, first, what, what I wanted to do is to uh, update, update our audience on what's going on with coronavirus generally and immigration. So, so right now, the, the agency which generally deals with immigration in the United States, the United States Immigration, United States Citizenship and Immigration Service has uh, temporarily um, suspended any in-person appointments uh, until June 4th. However, they are still processing paperwork for marriage cases, for visas like O-1s, and other types of immigration benefits. And hopefully uh, immigration interviews will start after June 4th, but we, we don't know if they will or won't. Um, also, many people are aware of the proclamation by Donald Trump, um, which is uh, in essence, um, preventing people from pursuing employment-based green cards um, for two months after April. However, that proclamation is limited to people that are seeking uh, green cards and uh, based on employment, not temporary visas, and that are seeking them from outside the United States. So that's what's going on. But right now inside the United States, people can still process their immigration cases. Um, they just can't get interviewed yet, at least for that, those types of immigration benefits like a marriage case that require an interview. So the O-1 entertainment visas that Lorraine was talking about, they're very much in her wheelhouse and the wheelhouse of her firm. Her firm is an award-winning firm in this area so what I'd like to do in, in this part of the video is to just explain a little bit of basics, basic immigration law, um, and a couple of things, and then, um, and then have Lorraine take most of this away since this is really in her wheelhouse. So just for our audience, 
Um, there's a difference in immigration law between temporary visas and permanent visas, also called a green card. A green card means permanent residence. It means the person can stay here um, pretty much as long as they don't commit a crime and they don't uh, live outside the United States for more than six months or a year, they can stay here for the rest of their life. A temporary visa, like a student visa, like an O-1 visa, uh, like other work-related visas, those typically have a duration and um, have to be extended at, at various times. And again, I wanna emphasize that the Donald Trump declaration only applies to green cards and only applies to people waiting for a green card interview in another consulate or country. And the rest of everybody who's here in the United States um, can process their case. And people that, um, people that uh, are looking for temporary visas like an O1 abroad can process here, but right now the embassies are shut down uh, with some limited exceptions. So that's kind of the state of things and the lay of the land. And what I'd like to do now is to ask Lorraine to lay out what are the types of visas, and we're talking about temporary visas at first. Most people uh, come to the United States first on a temporary visa, and then they come to our firm for a path to permanent green cards, most people. So if Lorraine, can you lay out the temporary visas for folks that are in the entertainment industries, a little bit about them and what's required? Certainly, absolutely. Um, so um, there, there are uh, uh, several um, visas available for those that have distinctions in their field. Um, to start off with, we have the O-1 visa, um, which benefits foreigners of extraordinary ability in the sciences, arts, education, business, or athletics. Um, there are two standards of scrutiny that are typically applied. Um, the O-1As at the highest level. Um, and those are typically for your professors, your researchers, your tech founders, those in business. Um, then, um, then it's the arts. And the arts is sort of split into two prongs. Those that are um, at a very high level of achievement in motion picture and television. That includes digital, by the way, as well. Um, and then also for those that are performance-based. So print work, performing arts. And those actually get the lowest standard of scrutiny. Um, compared to the H-1B, what are the benefits of looking at extraordinary ability? Well, there is no visa lottery that the employee would need to go through. You do need to have a job offer though, um, unless you're going for the green card, which is a self-petition. Um, and um, there is no wage requirement as well for the O-1. So unlike the H-1B, which has a prevailing wage requirement, the O-1 is not subject to the same requirement. However, the salary that is being offered should be appropriate for a position of the O-1 caliber. I have a question. Uh, you mentioned that you have to have an employer, but what if you're like a singer and you have different uh, concert venues throughout the United States and you're working for different people or different promoters and not just uh, one? How would that work? So uh, there, are, there is something called an agency O-1, which allows one to work multiple employers' different jobs. Um, and how one does that is the petitioner should be um, a, uh, a manager or an agent, one that is acting and in the business as an agent, okay, is the definition. So what ten, uh, tends to pass on this? Um, talent managers, agents, business managers, um, those that are 
facilitating, procure, helping to procure employment, and you know, managing um, a, a, an individual's career. Um, so this, um, having them serve in this role, um, then you are more or less a, a freelance, uh, we gotta be careful with that word, but allowed to work multiple employers and then different jobs, even while you're on the O1. Um, now, there is quite a bit of debate on whether as you accept new employment, it would be necessary to either have a letter from the petitioner or an amended petition. Um, and um, uh, it's, it does seem that USCIS has become more strict in this area on this. And I certainly would encourage doing amendments as, as you are accepting new employment. However, um, there are a lot of studios, it's, if it's from the um, entertainment perspective, that are absolutely allowing for letters to come from um, petitioners and noting the new employment um, via a letter from the petitioner. So there is this route as well. Um, I have a question though, because yes. um, we are experiencing COVID and um, I, I know that um, a lot of production has been canceled around the country. So what do you do in that kind of a case? If somebody's here and things have been canceled or um, maybe they, they think they're gonna go through with the production, but they don't, they don't know. It's, it's very speculative given what's happened. Well, what we have been doing is noting to USCIS that um, that scheduling is now subject to the changes of COVID and um, actually even marking that in the petitions themselves. So, um, so, so that, that is, has been accepted. The petitions are processing this way. Um, so it is, um, it has been accepted. So that is one thing that you can do. So don't, uh, now if it's an employer based O1, so this is not an agency or one, but employer-based, and this would present further complications because if you are absolutely in no relationship with the employer, because the employer has now gone out of business, then technically speaking, you are not in valid status. So you then, you need to be thinking about um, your next move and transitioning. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave the country, but um, you should be talking to your immigration professional, potentially transitioning to, into a B1, B2 status, a visitor status, um, since you are not going to be working, um, and really analyzing those circumstances with the immigration council so we can figure out the best um, option for you going forward. Right, and I know you're gonna go over some of these options later on in our, our podcast. Um, can anybody get an O1 visa or a P1 visa? Can it be just the musician that you know plays at your local uh coffee shop um what's if, if you can lay out some of the standards for us it would be really important and helpful absolutely i would be happy to um so um so what does extraordinary ability really mean it means a level of expertise indicating that the individual is one of a um, is one of, of a distinct segment in the field that has a distinction. Now, if you're looking at this from the green card standard, then what you're achieving is that you're one of the very few in the field that has risen to the very top of the field of endeavor. Now, that's not the case for the O1, the temporary visa option. Um, you are really focusing in on a distinction. Um, we, have, we should be looking to see whether um, the individual will satisfy at least three out of six criteria if it is an O1B, which is for the, which is for the arts. And this is looking at um, the six criteria 
which typically starts off with leading critical roles and contribution in projects of what we call distinguished reputation. So the practitioner will be spending a lot of time analyzing your resume and really looking at the achievements that you've had to weigh out whether they are measurable at the higher level to satisfy muster for the extraordinary ability. If we have enough projects to work with and your, with and your role has been major enough, um, and what makes it major? That you've had commercial success and public exposure in the field. And that would be documented also by other criteria like press, letters of support, and financial contracts as well. So the singer at the coffee shop, if they, they had some of those things, um, you might be able to work with that person to get them an O1. Mm -hmm. But if they, they don't, then, then not, right? We, we got to be careful with the singer in the coffee shop because okay. when you think about a, the coffee shop, it's the venue or the production or the organization of which they're working in needs to be distinguished. So what now there, there are truly some very famous coffee shops out there. Um, and uh, you know, the likes of Billie Holiday and many, many very successful uh, musicians and talent have performed there. If it's of that caliber, then we've got something to work with. Um, now, if there really is no story or history behind the venue, the organization, then we're going to be in trouble. So, um, so we're we're looking we're looking at um, the contribution that's been made, but also importantly the venue itself and the story behind the venue. This is a lot about storytelling, and um, and the good news is is for a lot of if we look at it from the entertainment side and not tech or not business, um, there's usually a lot of stories that are coming out of it, how they built their career, where they started, how they progressed, um, and, um, and it really hitting those milestones and supporting it with documentary evidence. So it's three out of six. A lot of people think that you need six out of six. Of course, any practitioner would love to be putting six out of six. Um, however, it tends to be three. Now, if you have a major international award, national or international award, the attorney should be all over that, um, documenting that. Sometimes um, they'll, that award will be so um, reputable and noted that the attorney will decide that it's enough to just go in with that evidence and then ignore the rest of the test. So not have to even address the rest of the test and just with the evidence. I'm the winner of American Idol. Nash, uh, in the United States. Um, I've had winners uh, at that level and I still dove into the rest of the test. Um, I think if, if you're going to be having an, an award that's at such a high level that you're not going to address the rest of the test, it would be more like an Academy, a Grammy at that level, a Nobel Peace Prize. Good to know. Um, so, and we have had cases like that, but it is far more rare to come across. Yeah. What's the difference between the O visa, temporary visa, and the, the P visa? Can you tell us a little bit about the P visa? Like, let's say the coffee shop that I was singing at was not very noteworthy and everything else, but I still had some amount of commercial success. Maybe not enough for, you know, could I get a P? How does it work? So P visa is for either entertainment groups, I emphasize groups. Okay. Two or more. <laughs> um, and, um, and it's the collective experience of the group. At least 75% of the group would need to have been together. There is a very small exception to that rule. And, um, and there needs to be international acclaim and achievement. So 
Um, it's only granted for one year at a time, the P's, as opposed to the O1s, which are granted for three years at a time and renewed indefinitely. Um, the P visa um, is a great visa when you have a group of performers and no one single one has enough for their own O1. So you're relying on the collective achievements and working together to build the whole case. But it is a lot of work. And it should be renewed well in advance too. So by the time you're finished the first O1, the first P1, soon after you're often working on the next renewal. But they do, they they usually a lot quicker because you are obviously are very familiar with the documents and you're updating them as you move along to the renewals. What is their definition of group? Like, let's say I'm a guitarist and I have a, a singer with me. Are two people enough or three people or? Three people is enough. Um, the um, P3 visa is another visa that often gets readily ignored as well as a P1S. P1S is for athletes and there was a whole test around tournaments and their achievements as an athlete that um, you would be addressing um, to, to bring forth the application and, and, and to be a winning application. The, um, the P3 visa is based on the cultural achievement, the cultural significance of, of this, in, and it can be in an individual or it can be a group, which is really great. Um, and very good creative attorneys, creative lawyering there, um, they spend time to really analyze that case and figure out what there is there so that potentially they could, um, you know, they, they could build a successful um, P visa, but maybe it would be a weaker O visa or a weaker P1 visa. So you're weighing out the options for your client um, and really putting the best case forward for the most compelling argument. So let's say I was that same singer in the coffee shop, but uh, the coffee shop's in Jamaica and I sing Jamaican music that's unique to that culture. Would I then be potentially eligible for a P3? Yeah, um, that's would be a, a great example. Um, we also have had Scottish bagpipe groups. Um, we've had um, uh, Indian um, comedic groups, actually, um, very interesting, sort of a particular type of comedy that you see. Um, really digging for um, what is specific and unique and local to where wherever they're from and that commonality between the members. Um, and then of course the public exposure and the commercial success of the group. So we can dig into the significance. Um, now all of these do require offers, job offers. That's often forgotten. So people think, oh, I have all this great achievement. This should be enough. I don't need the offer. That's not true. You still definitely need the offer. To, to make us successful. Right, and, and I just, I'm gonna jump in and point out something you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you don't need an offer for the EB1 green card. You can self-petition, whereas for these temporary visas where the standard is, is lesser than the green card, you, you, you do need an offer for the temporary visas like the O1 and the P visa. Mm -hmm. am, am I saying that right? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I um, the, um, the the job offers um, need to show that the individual will be busy enough, or the group will be busy enough for the full time period, and that there should be a pretty robust itinerary that is built out, um, you know, to show that continued work um, in the United States as well. 
So tell me what, what's going on now with these visas um, nowadays, uh, this year, given COVID, given everything else, um, what's, what are the processing trends of, uh, of O1s and Ps and, and so forth? So. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so premium processing, this is a big one, um, has been suspended. So typically you can really make these visas quite quickly. Um, um, once the document collection is done and you go to the filing, um, you can pay extra and have the turnaround in 14 days or less. Um, they have done away with this temporarily. Um, so now they are processing in a matter of weeks to months, not days. Now the good news is that we're noticing that the processing time is fairly um, positive though, it's, fair, it's moving quickly, um, even regardless. Um, going back, I remember going back about six months to a year from before COVID, uh, we were looking at processing times that were stretching almost a year for extraordinary ability. So it's wow. really great. Like regular processing without yeah. paying the premium price. And what are they now if, I, if I'm that, good singer and I do an O1 and of course I can't do premium processing at this time. Um, you're my lawyer. I asked you how long it's going to take. You know, I've got some great news on this. So um, we have even gotten petitions processed and approved in a matter of days. Wow. Um, yeah. So three to six days. Um, and this was normal processing during COVID. I just noticed that there is a general sort of, compassion that the officers have um, toward these cases right now and it's almost like we don't even want to talk about it that much because we don't want it to change <laughs> um, before this the standard of scrutiny was very very high and um, there were a lot of practitioners that were having a lot of difficulty with extraordinary ability and really analyzing the trends and winning the cases. Um, in terms of other, um, and, 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 and you know, on that note, we have noticed a wave of RFEs requests for evidence during the initial stages of COVID for traditional extraordinary ability job titles, right, right. but have seen that those RFEs have slowed down as time went on and normal processing has now resumed. So. Also, USCIS announced that they are going, they are allowing, and we are filing, late filings for O-1 visa applications given COVID. I mean, wait a minute, late, let, let's say I'm here as a tourist and I'm an entertainer and I get a wonderful offer, but I can't get my paperwork together till after my tourist visa expires. Do you mean I can file two weeks late, let's say, for my O-1 visa? Yes, there is wow. uh, certain permissions. Um, for late filings, and you definitely want to be consulting with the Immigration Council on the ins and outs of that, um, but, but there truly is now. Um, there, there has been announced with a number of flexibilities to help applicants um, you know, through these times, including also flexible timetable for RFE responses, um, also allowing for um, now wet, wet signatures, but copied wet signatures um, for the actual filings as well, which is remarkable. I can't now, I cannot remember a time that they've ever allowed that. Yeah, just to give a plug for other kind of cases, it's been, you know, I, I do marriage petitions from all over the country and unlawful presence waivers. And it's been really nice to get the emailed signatures. I'm really hoping that uh, USCIS keeps that policy even after COVID. So, um, yeah. And last video, we talked a lot about, um, you know, what happens when somebody gets laid off and unemployment and everything. 
Um, and we went through the public charge issues regarding that. That's our second podcast and video uh, mm -hmm. for people that want to take a look at that. Um, but earlier in this podcast, you were mentioning about going over some of the alternatives for entertainers specifically. Um, if, if, you, if you would, I would be grateful if you could do that. Let's say I'm a O1 entertainer here in the United States. And all of a sudden, I'm working for one specific employer. That employer goes out of business. You mentioned that could happen, or, or just say, hey, we, we're withdrawing our petition because we can't produce right now. So, uh, what can I do if I want to stay in the United States and pursue my career? What are my options to the O1? Sure. Absolutely. Um, and unfortunately, we are sometimes seeing this happen. So I mentioned before the B1, um, which is a visitor visa status. Um, visitor for business might not be ideal option, but these are obviously not ideal times. So you cannot engage in local employment, but B1 holders are allowed to pursue certain activities that could help entertainers in the long run stay in the country, like job interviews, auditions, business meetings, conferences, competitions for prize money, showcasing work for no payment and to non-paying audiences. Um, so you can transition um, onto B1 and you can do so, um, most can do so while they're in the United States without even having to leave. Um, P1 visas also could be a good option. However, the timetable is usually much less than an O1 um, visa, which is valid for periods usually up to three years. As I mentioned, only getting one year at a time. P visas last a duration of a scheduled tour or events that are in the United States and usually last around a year with the option of extension renewal and not as hard to prove the criteria as an O1. Um, as we were briefly mentioning, it could be a good option for those um, that are touring or performers with an emphasis on currently unique and educational art forms. Um, so I did also mention the performing athletes and entertainers, um, P1, P1A, P1B, P1S. Um, the uh, reciprocal exchange programs are also good to look out for um, through the unions, um, AFM and um, Actors' Equity. Um, they are putting out specifically visas that are tied to the unions. Now it's pre-approved itineraries by the unions themselves, but it is a way um, to, um, to initiate uh, status and stay in the country. Um, O2 visa, never to be underestimated. This is for professionals um, coming to the U.S. to assist a performer or an entertainer to be their essential support here on an O1. You must prove a continuity in their work as it relates to work in the industry as well as a working professional with an O1 holder. Um, so you have to possess skills that the O1 holder is not capable of and must be essential to the O1 holder's work um, and performance, okay? So that's so just- okay. I'm an O1 entertainer, but uh, uh, I'm also a sound engineer that has worked with uh, someone else and my, my jobs get canceled and that person does not, I, I might be able to switch to an O2. Correct. So you have to show that the work has been done previously with the O1, that there is some work history there. Um, that is very important and it should be continuous for at least a year and there should be some evidence of payment between the O1 and the O2. They're very tough on not approving them if they don't see that. Um, also the O1 or the project that the O1 is offered should be then in turn also offered to the, um, to the, uh, to the O2 as well. So, um, and the O2 has been a lifesaver for many, many people I, I processed 
virtually hundreds upon hundreds of them over the years, um, but their circumstances do need to match up. So this is definitely a careful diagnosis with the help of immigration counsel. Um, I would love to give a perfect example. Um, I just had an extremely high profile modeling agency that I, I represent and um, there, the, we have gotten O1s for some of the top models um, out of that agency. Um, the talent manager suddenly needs, obviously there is a lot of influencing modeling work that is happening even currently in the United States right now, um, obviously out of people's homes, but these are with very, very big brands. And the agent um, is, was, is currently in the United States and very much needing to be on a working visa, uh, was here actually as a visitor, but is actively at home working, uh, needing to work, sorry, not working, but needing to work um, on certain campaigns that the models are doing. So um, this agent is um, typically based abroad, but of, of course, due to COVID, stuck now in the United States. So we were able to transition her um, onto an O2 visa successfully. And that is essential support to her model, um, one of her models who she works the most uh, really. Oh, wow. And um, and so the, all the work that she's done with this model outside of the US is now relevant to, to help to support the work that she will continue to do um, going forward in the US. So that is a very good example there. Um, we also have used in the past um, animation companies um, that have a, a particular lead designer. Um, they have a lot of people under them that are absolutely essential to the work that they're doing in that animation studio. And we have put multiple people on O2 visas to support that lead, uh, lead animator designer in the work that they do. I have a whole host of different titles. So, um, and, and often in the situation, the people thought that they had no chance. Um, they didn't. They thought they didn't. They thought they didn't have a chance, um, and and they really they really did. So that's, that's creative. Um, yeah, I've I've been working with people and really trying to put them under a microscope. Um, we've had some clients that have had O ones or other types of work visas, and we either put them in a tourist visa for six months so they can look for something else or wait things out or. Some of them wanted to get their PhD, so we changed them to student. Uh, some wanted to train in some other areas, so we have one client that's doing a J-1 training visa. So the, the ones you mentioned are, are really uh, more common, but, um, but there's a lot of options for people that are facing this type of uh, problem of having come here on an O-1 and, uh, or a P, and all of a sudden we have COVID. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So, I mean, perhaps we can also touch upon, um, you know, uh, the situation where, um, you know, for um, a lot of entertainers right now, there, there is, um, there is transition um, with the work that they are doing. Um, coming up and um, trying to understand what their visa allows them to do and what their visa doesn't allow them to do, especially in terms of the work locations. So um, this 
also is a very important discussion to be having with your immigration counsel. You shouldn't be making unilateral decisions, um, I think anyway, in terms of what your visa is allowing you to do and what it isn't allowing you to do. Changes in worksite locations is a very important thing. And if the visa doesn't allow for that in the itinerary and the supplement in the I-129, then it needs to be amended. So, um, so there's also, unfortunately, a lot of businesses that are going out of business right now. Um, the economy has been very much impacted. Um, others, uh, other, other markets are doing very, very well. Um, obviously, the influencer market is doing very, very well. Um, certain brands are doing extremely well. Um, and that would require for some of the applications um, uh, swapping out and, and, and amendments to the application on, who, on, on the job offers and also who the petitioner is. So you can do a change of petitioner and you also can make amendments um, to the actual um, em uh, project employers that are listed on the applications. So please do not forget this. Um, I've, I want to ask you something and maybe I'm betraying my age, but if how, how, what's the definition of an influencer? I kind of think I know, but how would you, can you explain that a little bit more? Um, I have some ideas about this, but let's say I am a performer, but I also, um, I'm famous and I have a lot of influence on people and a lot of social media presence and so forth and so on. Yeah. How does, what are those parameters, I guess? Yeah, um, I, so I, I had to also put together a, de <laughs> a definition for our filings. Um, an influencer is really someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with the audience that is following them. Typically, it is someone who has a large following. Um, and for the purposes of the O1s, we wouldn't take on an influencer unless they virtually had hundreds of thousands of followers. So okay. Kardashian would be an obvious example of an influencer. If he was a foreigner, it, that would be a perfect case. <laughs> okay. okay, that makes sense. And I, I wanted to mention too that the green card processing, before we conclude that the green card processing uh, in the United States, or at least the filings in the United States, is pretty much as it was, although there's no reviews right now. So it can't come to completion. I don't know, are you seeing them waive interviews at all, or is it too early in this crisis to... Uh, I to on that. So, um, so we have actually been able to book interviews, which is great but the interviews are not actually happened yet. So um, we were able to book an interview as early as June 12th. Um, we've had um, we've had another one um, uh, June 21st um, that's been booked. Um, and so it seems that June um, is a month that there they are allowing the DS-160 applications to go through. Now, if you are Canadian, you do, you're completely exempt from this. You do not need to worry if you have a working permit that you have to go to the embassy. We can process this. Um, we can process you with the O-1 approval notice internally in the U.S. right at the border. So this is some good news there. So that's great. So embassies are accepting interviews. Have you seen any USCIS interviews booked for, let's say, after June? Um, so um, the... USCIS interviews, um, we 
have as well heard from others, but not from our office directly. So, um, so we are a part of lawyer networks that we have heard that there is some movement there, but I haven't yet seen for USCIS, but I have seen State Department. I haven't either, Buzz. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't, not in any kind of case. So, uh, but anyway, we're, we're pretty much out of time for this one, but this was really, really helpful. Um, again, I, I want to conclude by uh, promoting the practice of my colleague, uh, Lorraine D'Alessio. She is one of the sharpest uh, entrepreneurs around. In 2017, she was named a leader in law by the LA Business Journal, and she's won a lot of awards um, for her business acumen, and uh, her clients include high-tech clients and startups, many of uh, whom you will, you will have heard of, and her website is dlgimmigration.com. And uh, yeah. Well, Robert, it's uh, truly a joy um, doing this podcast with you as well. And um, the, uh, the names of those that you, lives that you have affected and companies that you helped are helping to continue to grow um, are also very well noted. And so um, thank you. Okay, um, and my website is uh, immigrationprofessor.com. Uh, thanks to the audience for listening, and we hope all of you stay happy and healthy.